Isn't it great to be together in church? Boy, we were months when we couldn't meet in the same building. Thank you, Lord. Look with me in the scriptures, please, to the book of uh, Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. On Sunday mornings, we've been on a topic for a few few weeks now that we're calling. Anybody know what we're calling it? The spirit of man. The spirit of man. And uh, we are, I, I don't remember what lesson we're on, but we're, I don't know, 10 or so, 9 or 10, whatever the number is, into it. And um, if you haven't been with us in these previous ones, let me encourage you, go online and you can watch it, listen to it, get the previous lessons building up to this. won't cost you anything, no charge. And it is some of the most important things you could ever learn, not just because I'm preaching about it, but because of what it is. Uh, Phyllis and I just remark about it almost every day about how valuable it is to, to know something about being led by the Spirit of God. And uh, sadly, you won't, you won't hear about this in every church. There's a lot of churches you could be born and grow up there and never hear a message, not a one, on how to be led by the Spirit. And it's just something that's not known or understood in a lot of places. And it's not that we know a bunch about it, but thankfully through uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, the Lord gave him some things and we got some of those through him and it's the answer to a thousand and one questions every day of your life. What do I do? I do this? Do I not do this? Your plans, your choices, your decisions. I mean, you know, uh, small ones to large ones. The only way, did you hear that phrase? Only way to get it right is to be led by the Spirit. Because you will never know enough in your mind to get it right. For one thing, what do you know about the future? And how do you know what your decisions today, how that will impact the future, or how the future will impact that? You use your mind. You do research. You study. You think. But you don't rely on analysis or statistics or numbers or anything else to make your decision. When it comes time to make your decision, you check inside where the Holy Spirit resides. And you check with Him. Hmm? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's not talking about your blood pump. That's talking about your middle, your core of your being. With all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding. understanding, Proverbs 3 says, in all your ways. In how many? How many? All. How many? How often should you be checking in with the Holy Spirit? How often? All your ways, that would mean all the time. Every time you go to do something, check with him. Check inside. All your ways acknowledge him. And what would happen? He will direct your paths. If the Lord's directing your paths, you're going to get it right. Right? If he's directing your paths, you're going the right way. You're going to wind up at the right place at the right time. To do the right thing. But if you, if you don't. And he's not. Then you wind up at the wrong place. At the wrong time. And you'll be exposed. To the enemy's activities. And he's always looking for an opportunity. To steal. And to kill and to destroy. Proverbs 20. Did you find it? 2027. They'll put it on the screen for us. It says the spirit of man. Is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Uh, the W.E.B. says. The spirit of man is Yahweh's lamp. 
the Lord's lamp, searching all his inward parts. What what do you use a lamp for? Gives off light. Why do you need light? So you can see, right? And what this is saying, God uses your own spirit to enlighten you. Not your mind, not your emotions, not your body, but your spirit. And many people don't even realize they are a spirit. Uh, You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. I'm looking at you, but I'm not really seeing you. I'm seeing your house. I'm seeing the physical house, the Bible calls it a tent, a tabernacle. Uh, you, your body is the house your spirit dwells in. And you will exist and still be you, even if the Lord tears is coming and this body dies and they bury it, you won't be uh, in that body anymore, but you'll still be you. And you won't change into something else. And we have every reason to think that the the spirit looks a lot like the body uh, because actually it's the body that takes after the spirit. Hmm? And people say, well, will we know one another uh, in heaven? Only if you knew one another down here. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Well, you're not going to change into something else. There's all kind of foolish things that preachers even say. You know, God took this one because he needed another angel in heaven. You you don't turn into an angel when you die. That'd be a demotion. It would be. It's just not true. And, you know, you got people that go out to grave sites. And they stand there and, and try to talk to people whose body was buried there. That's like, you know, right now, I'm not at my house. I'm here with you. How many understand it'd be foolish to drive over to my house and just stand outside the house and talk to me? (laughs) Wouldn't it? Why? Help me out. Why? Then it'd be foolish to try to talk to me when you're talking to an empty house. I'm not there. Well, you don't go out to the cemetery and try to talk to people. They're not there. Just empty houses. Hmm? Why? Because you're a spirit. You're not just a body. Somebody said out loud, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. I'm not a body. I have a body. I'm a spirit. spirit. Amen. God's spirit. And he's called the father of spirits. And that's the part of our being that God communicates with us through. If people say, well, I've never heard from God. Well, do you even know you're a spirit? (laughs) Do you even pay attention to that part of your being? If not, then it's no wonder you're not understanding any communication from God. The Bible didn't say, well, let me, re- let me read the, the next phrase to you here. Romans 8, that we've looked at numerous times. Romans 8, 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Said you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again for fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And he goes on to say the spirit, actually a better translation here is himself, bears witness with what part of our being? Not not our, our flesh. You don't go by hot flashes or cold flashes or goosebumps. Come on, are y'all listening to me? You, that's not what you go by. You don't go by feelings, emotions, or just random thoughts or any of this. What part of my being does God communicate with me through? His spirit bears witness with my spirit. Come on, say that out loud. His spirit spirit bears witness 
with my spirit. Now see, the witness of the spirit is not necessarily even a voice. You don't try to hear voices. But a witness is the knowing. A a testifying with. A witnessing with. An inward awareness. An inward knowing. Said said another time. His spirit. spirit Bears witness. witness With my spirit. spirit. Now here he tells a specific thing. That when you're born again. The Spirit of God lets you know you are God's child. How many have a a sense, a witness within yourself that you are God's child? I want to come, come on, let me ask you it again. Are you listening? If you've been born again, you have this. If you don't have this, if you don't, well, I, I don't know whether I am or not, then you need to pay close attention throughout the rest of the service. And you need to make a change and receive him. Because you can know that you are a child of God. You can know that you've been born again. And it's not a matter of hearing voices or having some out-of-body experience or some kind of extreme emotions. Or It is an inward knowing. Even the Bible said concerning the prophet uh, Elijah, on one occasion uh, he... Uh, uh, he was seeking an answer from God, and he went out in the wilderness, and the Bible said there was a strong, mighty wind, but God wasn't in the wind. Did you hear that? Is God in every wind? Was God in that wind that hit Lake Charles a few days ago? I see a lot of folk are confused about all this. Did it steal and kill and destroy? Then according to Jesus, it was the devil. I know a lot of folks don't believe that, but then they don't believe the Bible. And you'll see phrases just like the one I just quoted to you. It said there was a strong, mighty wind. It even tore the rocks. But it said God wasn't in the wind. I'm quoting a verse for you now. Said out loud, God wasn't wasn't in in the wind. Now, on the day of Pentecost... There came a rushing sound, like a you know a, a rushing mighty wind, and God was in the wind. I said He was in that wind, <laughs> but the house did not get blown away, and nobody was killed. Everybody got filled with the Spirit. <laughs> when God's in something, you'll see goodness and life and deliverance and healing. Then it said there was this big fire. But it went on to say, but God wasn't in the fire. And then it said, then there was a still, small voice. And that was God. We must learn to pay attention. Not looking for the spectacular. But paying attention to what's already in us. Who is already in us. Can you say amen? Look with me, if you would, in John, the 14th chapter, please. John 14. I want to get to one of the most important things that's happened in Phyllis in my life that I know is is a foundation of us being blessed today. Our life would be totally different if this hadn't happened that I'm about to share with you. So don't snooze through this. In uh, in John 14, Jesus said in verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. In the life of every believer, the Spirit of God is in us every moment of every day. He won't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Now, He will not impose His knowledge on us. He will, no matter how desperately we need an answer, 
And certainly he knows the answer. He won't scream it at us and force it on us. If we don't respect him enough. Did you hear this word? Respect. If we don't respect him enough to ask him and look to him and be willing to respond to him, you won't hear from him. This is in complete opposite from the devil. He is a forcer, a coercer. He's going to make you do it. And he's going to yell and push his, what he wants off on you if you let him. But not the Holy Spirit. That's why, how many understand the Holy Spirit is, is God. He's the most powerful being on the planet and any planet. When the earth was without form and void, who was moving on the face of the deep, ready to bring it to pass? And when the word was released, it was the Spirit of God that manifested the power that brought the continents into being. If you believe the Bible. And I do. But when we see him coming on Jesus to anoint him, does he come as a galactic force? <laughs> huh? He comes in, in a shape and form of a what? Dove. A dove? The most powerful being in the universe? Comes as a dove? Yeah. Not that he is a dove. It just said he came in the form and shape as a dove. Why? Revealing to us who God is and what his nature is. He, he could scare you literally to death. God could manifest himself in such a way your heart would stop and you'd fall over. And he wouldn't even have to try hard. He's so big. He's so powerful. Any being that can create stars and solar systems, create gravity. That just makes me go, wow. Gravity? Gravity is one of the most amazing forces you could ever think about. God created it. That means he's bigger than gravity. He's bigger than the gravity that holds the stars and the planets in their orbits. We have no concept of that kind of force. But he wants us to know. I didn't come to scare you. <laughs> huh? How many understand? The more powerful and the bigger you are, you need to be gentle. Or you'll scare people. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I mean, if you're 500 pounds of muscle, then when you shake hands, you shouldn't squeeze. Yes. <laughs> Are y'all with me? You shouldn't squeeze. Just be nice. Be, be gentle. And God the Father, He is our Father. Uh, good fathers don't want to scare their children. That's right. And so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of our Father and the Spirit of Jesus in us. He's this way. He doesn't want to scare us. And He's not going to push things off on us. He's not going to make you do anything. Amen. So it's a waste of time to pray and say, God, make me do what I should do. He's not going to do it. He's not the devil. He will help you if you decide to do it. But He's not going to make you do anything no matter how much you beg Him to. And other people can't do things for you either. You know, make me do it. Make me act right. They can't. As soon as they leave, you can, you can act different, right? Uh, in verse 21, Jesus said this, uh, John 14, 21, He that has my commandments and keeps them. Now, we got to this last, uh, a week before last. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. God's commandments is, are his words is another way of saying it. 
Sometimes the Bible said his sayings, what he says, his words. He it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. If you believe the words of Jesus, then you know how for God to become more real to you. If you believe this. If you want God to be more real to you, this is how it happens. Not by begging and crying. Not even by fasting and praying. Is everybody listening? I'm going to say a couple of things that may jar your thinking today. But you want to ask a question, is it true? What does the word say? How, according to Jesus, the head of the church, how, what can I do that caused God to become more real to me? I must keep his words. Did you hear that phrase? Keep his commands, his words, his sayings. I must take very seriously what he says. And if I love him, I will respect what he said and even do what he said. Can you see this? And what if I don't respect what he said and I don't do what he said? Then according to this passage, I don't love him. I love something else, somebody else more. And he is not going to be real to me. He is not going to manifest himself to people who don't believe in him, who don't respect him. Uh, Let me read the rest of this. Judas said, not Judas Iscariot, a different Judas, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? See, this is going on right now. Much of the world doesn't believe in God, and to them it seems like there is no God. Right. And that's what he's asking. He said, how, how are you going to do that? You're going to make yourself real to us, but unbelievers that live in the same city block... It's going to be to them like there is no God. How are you going to do that? And basically, Jesus repeated himself. He said, verse 23, if a man love me. This is male or female. If a person loves him, how would we know it? Help me, child of God. How, How would we know it? Now, people will say all kind of things except this, because this requires you to do something. And, and most people like what I call no-fault religion. And that's why they want to go to churches that tell them that everything is the will of God. And nothing is their fault. And nothing is their responsibility. And this is the most popular kind of church in the world. No fault religion, but it's not the Bible. Jesus said, if a man loved me, what will he do? What will he do? What will he do? He'll pray night and day. It's not what he said. He could have said that. Huh? He'll give every dime he's got. It's not what he said. He could have said that. He'll be good. Really good. It's not what he said. Huh? Why? The thing that changed Phyllis in my life so radically, almost, well, about 40 years ago now, uh, she went to church as a Catholic. I went to church as a Pentecostal and a Baptist and a Church of God, <laughs> depending on the time. <laughs> And uh, all good people. And we were taught up, we were brought up to respect the Bible. And we did. It had a special place on the uh, coffee table. (laughs) 
And we had a big one, too, that had the family tree in the front of it, you know. And it, it, it is a revered object in the home. Now, we didn't read it. <laughs> and in some groups, they'll actually tell their folks, don't read it because you can't understand it. And the preachers will tell you what it means. And <laughs> I see people nodding everywhere. Yeah. And that is where most of the church world going world is today. Right there. But through the ministries of uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland and um, Kenneth Hagen and yeah. Jerry Savelle and different ones of those guys, I, we didn't know it was happening at the moment, but as time went by, it began to get in us that this is how you think, how you talk. How you live, how you function, that the answer to everything in life is here. Not just because it's a holy book, because in that sense, it's just ink and paper. Hmm? And not just the fact that it's holy words to be revered ritually. But it's the fact that God, the Creator, spoke these words that are recorded in this book. These words convey His thoughts, His will, His ways. And if you don't respect this, you don't respect God. And if this doesn't order your life, God's not ordering your life. Can you see this, friend? This is, would you agree, Phyllis, one of the most radical things that ever happened to us in our life. And I'm sure I would not be preaching to you. We would not be standing in this church. Any other number of things would never have happened if that had not happened first. He said, what's that got to do with what you're talking about, Brother Keith? Everything. Because... The only way to develop your spirit is to first feed it. Hmm? Not on ungodly movies. Huh? Or foolish novels, but on the living, anointed spirit food. <laughs> Matthew 4, 4, would you put it up on the... On the screen for us. Yeah. Man, I get moved when I start talking about this because I know had it not been for what I'm talking to you about, we would be broke and failures or dead or whatever else by now. I know it. But God has sustained us by His Spirit. By his word. But it is. It takes. A real. Choice of heart. To do this. And the, the simple truth is. Many church going people. Will never do it. They are unwilling to do it. They will not do it. Which is why they wouldn't like a church. Like this one. Many people. Even saved people they form their beliefs and they're adamant that they have a right to their beliefs and then they go to the Bible to try to find support for their beliefs verses for their beliefs so then they talk about the four verses they know about that seem to support their belief, but ignore thousands of other verses, many of which contradict some of their beliefs. Selective believing. 
That's not how we're supposed to function. That's not Jesus being Lord of your life. Well, I got a right to my beliefs. As an American, you do. Not as a Christian. As a Christian, you don't have a right to your own beliefs. As a Christian, Jesus the Christ is to be your Lord. Not just Savior, Lord. And whatever he tells you to believe, that's what you believe. You don't just make it up as you go along. If you're a Christian, a real Christian. Now, we're all learning and growing in knowledge of his word. And you you can only walk in the light of what you understand and what you see. But it's so imperative that we're honest about what we see in his word. And we don't change it, try to take a piece of a verse here and piece from there. And you know it doesn't mean that, but just trying to justify doing something that in your heart you know is wrong. That means the word's not first place. Brother Kenneth Hagin, our father in the faith, whom the Lord gave these truths about spiritual development and being led by the Spirit, First one I ever heard about any of this. And even to this day, I've, I've not heard anybody that has any more revelation on that. And uh, he says that in order to develop your human spirit, you must put the Word of God first place. I was reminded of that after I got my message today. <laughs> and I, it, it is absolutely the truth. Somebody say, put the Word Whose word? Whose word? First. What place? First place. First place in your life. And anything that you're asking a question about, uh, is this is this okay or is that okay? See, because people get into uh, religion. Well, what should I do? Well, you should you should be good. You don't even know what good is if you don't know the word. You don't, you don't, not able to distinguish good and bad like you should. Well, I should pray hard. You don't even know who to pray to or how to pray or what to pray for if you don't know the word. No prayer is not first. The word is first. And you can't even pray in faith unless you get the word. How does faith come? Come on, help me out. So if you're not, if you're not praying right, and you're not praying for the right thing, and you're not praying in faith, what, what good are you doing? You can pray for hours and hours and hours and get no results. Yes, prayer is important, but it is not first. The Word must be first. Yeah, you want to be good and not evil, but being good is not the main objective. Pleasing God, knowing Him, becoming more like Him, you will be good. <laughs> Can you see that? But how, how am I going to know what that is? How do I know how God thinks? Well, you listen to what he said. How do I know what God wants me to do? Well, you do what he said. And if there's any other detail he wants to add to you, he will let you know by his spirit. But the foundation of it will be this. And anything that contradicts his written word can't be his spirit. Can't be. Cannot be. What, what did Jesus say in, in Matthew 4? Well, actually 4, 3. Let's, let's back up to verse 3. In the temptation, the tempter came to him and said, If you be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. He had been uh, fasting for 40 days and nights. You know, uh, what, a month and a half here. And the Bible said when it ended, he's hungry. Well, yeah, he's really hungry. And the enemy came to tempt him, turn these stones into bread. Feed your body. It's really hungry. It's starving. And what did Jesus say? That's a good idea. I am really hungry. <laughs> no, what did he say? What did he say? Oh, did you hear that phrase? Did you hear that? It is what? How did Jesus resist temptation? With the word of God. What if he hadn't known the word of God? 
What if the word didn't mean anything? Because, you know, how does the word not mean anything to the word? But you see what I'm saying? It's got, if, if it was first place to Jesus, if this is how he responded, how he resisted, if this was priority in his life, he's the example to follow. Jesus answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you don't eat physically, you get weak and you die. True. If you don't eat spiritually, you get weak and then you get weaker because you're a spirit being. You don't cease to exist. But if you are weak, weak and emaciated in the inner man, then what you should be listening to is is the voice of your spirit is barely detectable. Because it is so weak and emaciated because it's not being fed. In order to be led by the Spirit, i got to be aware of my own spirit because he bears witness with my spirit. And in order to be more aware of my own spirit, the stronger I am in spirit, the stronger the voice of my spirit, the more aware I'll be of my spirit. And one of the first things to get strong in spirit is to feed your spirit. Somebody say, feed my spirit. spirit. And feed what? Feed it with what? Like Brother Hagin used to say, not with hamburgers and hot dogs. That's your body. And and usually the body is, you know, people are not going to forget about feeding the body. But it's more important to feed the spirit than it is the body. That's why Jesus said this. He's, he, he's responding to this temptation. I need to eat. Well, you would think, yeah, after 40 days, he needs to eat. But he's saying that's not the, the priority. Man doesn't live just by natural food, bread only. What we live by. Are you listening to the words of Jesus? Yes. Come on, say it out loud with him. What I live by, what I live by. is not just natural food. I live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word tells me how I'm supposed to think, tells me what's supposed to be important to me, tells me what's valuable and what's not valuable, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Right? I'm not supposed to just form my own opinions as I go through life. And then try to find half a verse to support it. I'm to approach the word of God with real reverence and respect. And before I read the first verse say this is right. And if on some point I don't agree with it. I got to change. No matter if mom and daddy always thought that way. Or grandma and grandpa are my whole denomination for the last 300 years. If it disagrees with this, because you'll hear people say, well, you know, the the church will tell us what to believe. The church is not God. The church is led by men and women. And if they come up with something that contradicts this, we're going to let them tell us what to believe over God himself. One of the greatest things you will ever do For yourself, your family, everybody around you is make this landmark decision. No longer will I just think and believe and say anything I decide to. Jesus is my Lord. I'm submitting myself to his lordship, which means submitting myself to what he said. What he said is truth and right and life. 
Now you've got to be strong because the world all around you is disrespectful of God. It'll mock you when you quote a Bible verse. Won't it? It'll mock you. It'll call the whole thing myth stories. Huh? Something that's steeped in ancient tradition and is full of inconsistencies and errors and contradictions. Lies, lies, lies. It's perfect. It's true. It's right. And if it's not your standard, what is? Who is? Yourself? Other people? There's only one sure foundation. There's only one solid rock that you can build your house on and when the winds blow and the waves beat it will not collapse under you. It will not be washed away. Anybody know what the rock is? Most Christians holler Jesus. But that is not correct according to the passage. He is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. He is the rock and foundation, but that's not what he was talking about. He said, if any man hears my words and does them. Oh, come on, anybody hear that or not? If anybody hears my words... And does them, I'll show you who he's like. He's like a man that dig deep and built his house on the rock. If anybody hears my words but doesn't do them, it's like a man built his house on the sand. Doing the word is your foundation. Not just Jesus, but doing what he said. Hallelujah. How many believe this is important? Go back with me to Psalm 119. The longest chapter in the Bible. Anybody ever read Psalm 119? It took you more than three minutes. Anybody ever done that? 176 verses. 176 verses in Psalm 119. You know what every one of them is about? Every one of them is about the Word of God. The Word of God. David is called a man after God's own heart. What kind of person is a man or woman after God's own heart? The kind of person that writes 176 verses to his song. About how much he loves the Word of God. Are y'all okay or not? Some now, I'm not going to read them all. Somebody breathe a sigh of relief. Oh boy. Just a few of them for, to get the sense of it. Verse 97. Verse 97, what did he say? Oh, how I love your law. Now see, he didn't have the, all the prophets and the New Testament. That's all he had was with that. But that, that was their word of God. Oh, how love I your law, your word. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. If you meditate on the word of God all the time. You'll be smarter than all your enemies. You'll see them coming. You'll detect their plans. You'll know what to do. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Say what? Why? How? Because your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. Because I keep your precepts. What is that? You're getting revelation that previous generations didn't get. Why? Not because you went to church three times. But because what? Because you get up thinking and talking about the Word of God 
And you go to bed thinking and talking about the Word of God. And it's not a religious thing with you. It's a love thing. You love this Word. You love God's thoughts. His ways. His will. He is the most amazing being there has ever been. He's awesome. When you see him, it's going to blow your socks right off. <laughs> just, just to see. He is. <laughs> you got to talk in tongues and then you still don't begin to tell it. And we got a book full of what he has said. Revealing to us, this is right, this is not, this is good, this is not. This is what he values, this is what he detests, this is what's important, this is what's not important. If you don't feed on this on a regular basis, you will be conformed to the ungodly world around you. And all their goofy ideas and then your goofy ideas added together. And you can be very strong in your beliefs. You can believe anything you want to. It doesn't have to be true. And you can be wrong your whole life. And be robbed. Because you've made other men's ideas and your own, your beliefs instead of this. He said, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 127, therefore I love your commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. Would you rather have a revelation of the Word of God or a million dollars? Many people would take the money. Many, many would. It's just because you don't understand. The revelation is worth so much more. Because everything down here is temporary. This lasts forever. Didn't Jesus say, heaven and earth will pass away? But what? My words never pass away. Everything we learn about his word will stay with us past this life. We'll carry it with us into the next. All of that spiritual development. Can you say amen? amen. One, 128, therefore I esteem all your Precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Why don't you say? Why don't you agree with him? Say it out loud, Lord. Lord everything you say, everything you say is, right. is right. You're right, You're right. About, everything. about everything, and anybody, anybody. that contradicts you contradicts is, wrong. is wrong. Anybody, you, your friend, mama, daddy. Cousin, right? The most brilliant genius, supposedly. Your testimonies, 129, are wonderful. Therefore does my soul keep them. The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Hebrews 4. I'm thinking about closing. Hebrews 4. I, uh, I'm trusting the Spirit of God to communicate this, but I'll say it again. Phyllis, do you agree that this is one of the greatest things in our life that has ever happened? Is that that 40 some years ago. We believed in God. Like I said. I went to church. She went to church. We had, if you'd asked us. Do you respect God? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You respect the Bible? Oh yeah, yeah. Special place. 
on the, uh, <laughs> on the coffee table. <laughs> but did it have the place in our life that I'm talking to you about? It didn't. And we didn't even know that it didn't. Because everybody around us was living the same way. Believe You had your beliefs and I got my beliefs. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their beliefs. You got a right to your beliefs. Not as a Christian, you don't. We're to submit to what he said. And it will be, it will require submission. Because there are times your flesh will want to do stuff. And you can try, you, your, your mind will want to do gymnastics to try to justify it and make it all right. But if you'll hold yourself to the standard of the word and say, well, no, this verse says this and this verse says that, so it can't be okay. It'll hold you in the light. It'll keep you from destruction, confusion, darkness. But when you don't respect the Bible, you don't respect the Word, you're in trouble. Because you're building your life on sand. And the problem is, in good weather, you can have your house on sand. <laughs> is that right? You know, depending on how long it is for a big storm, you may look like you're doing just fine until the storm hits. And then those goofy ideas that you learned at university ain't going to hold you up. Huh? Even some dumb stuff that you heard preachers say. Huh? And your grandma is not going to hold up. When the pressure's on and you need it in life, the only thing that won't wash away, that won't crumble, is you knowing and doing what he said. Hallelujah. That's why he said, if you love me, you'll keep my words. And I'll love you and I'll come manifest myself to you. Does that sound good to anybody in here? I will man. What does that mean? He's going to show up in your life. You're going to see it. You're going to know it. And if you hadn't been seeing it, you hadn't been doing it. You hadn't been given his word first place. You hadn't got time for it. This is one of the reasons why, you know, I, Phyllis and I, we don't ask you as a church to do a bunch of things. When it comes to offering time. We don't, have you ever heard me ask you to give? Would you please give? You've never heard that. Are y'all with me? You've never heard that. Why? Because I'm not asking. I don't need to ask you to give. It's not my place. It's between you and God. It's an opportunity. If you choose to. And we don't ask you to do a bunch of things. We tell you this is an opportunity. But as your pastor, there's something I've asked you to do. Huh? Does anybody in here know what it might be? Huh? Read your chapter every day. Monday. Who's that? Is that for me? That's for you. That's for you. Why, why would I be so big on that? Why? You don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's important, what's not important. You don't know the will of God. You don't know the plan of God. You don't know how to pray. You don't know how to be led. You don't know any of these things if you're ignorant of God's word. And you're easily deceived, easily, you know, stolen from and misled, easily destroyed. How did Jesus combat the enemy? When he, the pressure was on, he was tempted, not just once, every time. It is written. It is written. It is also written. Will you ever find a better example to follow than him? What if you don't know what is written? What if you don't know? You're easily defeated, easily confused, easily misled, easily deceived. And that's not us. I said, that's, that's not us. The faith life family 
is one of the most spiritually aware and spirit-led churches, families around that will only be so if, among other things, you feed your spirit so that it's built up. Somebody say, feed, feed my spirit, feed my spirit. What? Well, one of the ways you do that is you read your chapter every day and you don't see how fast you can scan it and speed read it. You turn everything off and you sit down and you focus preferably with your family. You make this a priority. That's a way of showing God's word is first place in our lives. And if we got a question about anything in our life, what's the first thing we do? What does the Word say? What does the Bible say? What does the Word say? And when we understand what it says, there's no more debate. There's no more, nothing else to talk about. Well, are you sure it's right? Well, are you sure God's right? You going to ask that question? It's right. He's right forever. Never changes. This discerning thing spiritually is revealed in this Hebrews 4.12. And like I said, I think I'll close with this. He said the word of God. Everybody said the word of God. The word of God. The word of God. Does anybody know who Jesus is? What Jesus is. He is The Word made flesh. Huh? He's the Word. When I say the Word is the most important thing in our life, I just got through saying Jesus is the most important thing in our life. But if the Word's not the most important, then Jesus is not the most important. The Word of God is quick. It's living and life-giving. And powerful. Do you believe it? The word of God is alive. This is not just a book. This is not just a book. The words. No matter what language it's in. The words are containers. Of the thoughts of God. And God never had an anemic thought. God never had a confusing thought. God never had an ignorant thought. God never had a weak thought. His thoughts, which are found in his words, are alive and life-giving and powerful. Do you believe it? If you'll receive it, it will knock the dumb out of you. (laughs) If you'll receive it. It will knock the stupid out of you. If you'll receive it, it will push and displace the depression and the anxiety and the fear and the confusion. It's light and it's life. Oh, but if you hear the word of God and you understand it and then you go, "Eh, I just don't know about that. You know, we're in a modern generation and. We just don't see it that way anymore. You just turned off the lights with your understanding and you will get no more light on that until you decide to show it some respect. And you can live your whole life in darkness and fear and confusion and failure. I mean your entire life like that. And you can blame it on everything and everybody. But it will be because you chose To reject the word of God. Everything in our life. And these are big statements I'm making. Everything in our life. Including our eternity. Is based on our response. To his words. Do you question that? How did you get saved? The gospel is his words. If you had decided to reject what he said, you'd be lost. Everything that happens in our life, including our eternity beyond this life, is the result and will be the result 
of our response to his words, to what he said. I didn't read it, but the psalmist said, you have magnified your word above your name. Now that's a giant statement. Is the name of God important? And he said that he has magnified his word above his name. We should hold in the highest esteem what he holds in the highest esteem. And he said that's what he said. And he said it is the acid test and proof of who loves him and who doesn't. Said out loud, the word of God, the word of God. Read it again, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is what? Quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That would include any scalpel, any laser. He's just going by what they had at the time. Piercing. Get, get, get a picture of this now. When God speaks... It's not just for communication only. When he speaks, he releases light and life and power and revelation light that discriminates and distinguishes and separates. The dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now this shows that the soul and the spirit are not the same thing, but they are very closely connected (laughs) and they're not easily divided to talk about they work together but the word of God can pierce even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit joint and marrow are joinings and marrow give you a picture of soul and spirit marrow is the innermost thing in our body. You can't get any more inner than marrow. It's also where blood cells are produced and the life's in the blood. That is a picture of our spirit. Spirit. Where the marrow is. The joint, joint doesn't necessarily mean joint like elbow joint. It means joinings. I won't take time to go into all that. But that's a picture of our soul. And the word of God can distinguish that and divide that. And is also a what? The last phrase. A discerner of what? Now you might think, well, thoughts and intents go together. The word of God can separate them. (laughs) A thought from an intention. Everything you're looking at. The light of the star, the gravity that you're standing on, how did it come into being? God spoke. And it came into being. What's this mean to us? When we take the Word of God and when we, like everybody at Faith Life Church does, they read their chapter every day. When you read that chapter in faith or any other time, or you come to church in the service and you're hearing the Word of God, and you distinguish between what Brother Keith thinks or Miss Phyllis thinks and what God said in the Word. When you're hearing that Word, you're all ears. You're all focus. And if you'll receive it and respect it, it'll come into you. It'll minister life to you. It'll quicken you and minister strength to you. And it will help you distinguish between a right thought and a wrong intent. It will straighten you out inside. It will enlighten you. It will inform you. It will shape and mold your view of the world, of people, of everything. It's not meant for the coffee table. It's meant for you inside your ears, inside your eyes, inside your mind and your heart and your soul and your spirit. And oh, brother, sister, if you'll feed on it on a regular basis, day in, day out, week in, week out, your spirit, and make a decision to do it, 
act on it when it comes time to act on it, act on it, act on it. God, Jesus is not a liar. He will show up in your life. He will manifest and make himself real to you. And he will become more and more real to you as the months and the years go by. And your life will become something you never imagined it could be. Oh, you'll have challenges and things to overcome. The devil's down here and we had not got to heaven yet. But you will win battle after battle. You will overcome time after time. And you will uh, not just be blessed yourself. You'll be used to help other people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And others will be blessed just watching you live. How you think and how you talk. You'll be a light and example to follow. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody.